Our scripture reading this morning comes from Ecclesiastes, and I believe it's on page 1048 in your pew Bibles. Ecclesiastes 12. From verses 9 through 14, the end of this book. Entitled, The Conclusion of the Matter. Not only was the teacher wise, but also he imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. Their collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, here we come once again to the end of a year, 2018. And so the question is often asked, has it been a good year for you? Well, I guess that all depends on various circumstances, maybe various events. If you have, uh, you know, a, a portfolio with investments and so forth, and your portfolio has grown 10% or more, you say, yeah, it's been a very good year. If in terms of your crops came off and, and, uh, and it was a maybe bumper crop or at least a very good crop, you might say, it, yeah, it was a very, very good year. If you had surgery and you came through well, you might again say it was a good year. I guess for me, I say that it was a very good year, and I'll let you figure out why. But of course, it can also be kind of a tough year. Um, you are maybe looking at some empty spaces here where you remember the beginning of this year, someone sat, someone was there. But in this past year, he or she has passed away. Or maybe he or she is no longer thinking that it's necessary to come to church and that that really hurts, not necessarily being in church, but, but having a relationship with, with the Lord. If your investments didn't climb by 10%, but declined, then you might say it was not a very good year. And so it, it just depends. And so on that, on that, that line of between, it was a, just a wonderful, great year, 
or what Queen Elizabeth once called an annus horribla when in 1997, the year that Princess Diana died, well, that somewhere on that line you may find yourself. Maybe towards it was a good year, or maybe it was a very difficult year. But the question that I have to ask you, is this the right way to judge a year in terms of the things that have happened to you? And you see, when we come to the Bible, and when we come also, and I'll try to explain that a little bit more clearly, when we come to this book of Ecclesiastes, God wants us to have, it's a big word, but it's very understandable, a teleological perspective. Telos means end, the conclusion. We need to, in a sense, go to the conclusion and then look back. You see, that makes a whole difference in terms of how we judge the year. We could be having a very difficult year, but then we look to the conclusion and we say that it was a good year. For example, Jesus, in the book of Hebrews, he says he, says he, under, he underwent suffering, but who for the joy set before him underwent the suffering. You know, he could say that that year that he was nailed on the cross, he an innocent man, that was, a, that was a terrible year. But again, from a teleological perspective, from the end perspective, it was a good year. And so a mother, you know, she, she looks back at, at the maybe very severe labor pains. But she doesn't focus on that so much but, but in terms of the result. And so the suffering, it was, it was a good year in terms of what that resulted from. And so, again, in terms of a year that we suffered or went through difficulties, from the end perspective, it can be very good. And so also the other way around. Let's say tomorrow night you, um, you go to a party and for five, six hours, you are having a whale of a time. You're having a wonderful time. The, the alcohol, the beer, and everything is flowing, and you're with friends, and it's just a, a great, great time. But then, you leave. You go through a check stop, or worse, you're in an accident. Then, all of a sudden, from the teleological perspective, from that end perspective, then what you thought was just a wonderful evening is now not so good anymore. Or, you know, your, your, your favorite team is, uh, is, is winning. It's for 59 minutes and 30 seconds they're ahead. They're, it's a great, great game, but in the last 30 seconds, the other team scores two goals and they lose. And so do you focus on the 59 minutes and 30 seconds or do you focus on the end? And you say that that mitigates, that shapes the experience. And so now we need, again, in terms of the conclusion of the matter, from that end perspective, what if, what if we say that we had, you know, a good life, we had a lot of fun, we went to a lot of vacations, we just a, just. We, we had a wonderful time. But what if God says, I never knew you? Then what does that end say 
of our lives. And so therefore, it, I believe it is so important on this, on this last day of the year, as we think about time, as we think about perspective, that we make the right judgments. And so a better way of looking at this year is to ask ourselves the question, has this year drawn me closer to God? Do I recognize some of my faults? Do I recognize where I have to grow? Do I recognize where I have to give? And so that, that and then if it is through struggle, it can be a very good year. And so this morning I'd like to look at the book of Ecclesiastes because I think this book really, really gives us a perspective. Now, the book of Ecclesiastes was apparently written by, by King Solomon or certainly it was written in, in his time. King Solomon, you may recall that when he was, uh, became king, uh, God asked him what he wanted to receive and he prayed that he would be given wisdom. And so somebody has said that after Jesus, Solomon was probably the wisest man that ever lived. And so in this particular book, what he does is, is takes a look at, at life. Whatever you can get in life, whatever gives you pleasure, and then to find fulfillment in that. And what is his conclusion? It is vanity. It is emptiness. Let me just read you from chapter 2, the beginning of chapter 2, and I'm reading it uh, from Eugene Peterson's translation in, in the message. I said to myself, let's go for it. Experiment with pleasure. Have a good time. But there is nothing to it. Nothing but smoke. What do I think of the fun-filled life? Insane. Inane. My verdict on the pursuit of happiness? Who needs it? With the help of a bottle of wine and all the wisdom I could muster, I tried my level best to penetrate the absurdity of life. I wanted to get a handle on anything useful we mortals might do during the years we spend on earth. Oh, I did great things. I built houses, planted vineyards, designed gardens and parks, and planted a variety of fruit trees in them, made pools of water to irrigate the groves of trees. I bought slaves, male and female, who had children giving me even more slaves. Then I acquired large herds and flocks, larger than any before me in Jerusalem. I piled up silver and gold, loot from kings and kingdoms. I gathered a chorus of singers to entertain me with song and, most exquisite of all, pleasure. Voluptuous maidens for my bed. Oh, how I prospered. I left all my predecessors in Jerusalem behind, left them behind in the dust. What's more, I kept a clear head through it all. Everything I wanted, I took. 
I never said no to myself. I gave in to every impulse, held back nothing. I sucked the marrow of pleasure out of every task. My reward to myself for a hard day's work. It gives you a flavor of, of the wisdom of Solomon. <laughs> and so what he is doing then is trying to find in life, I held nothing back to find meaning and purpose, to find the transcendent meaning. And again, that, that may be a difficult concept, but, but, you know, advertisers know that too. When advertisers advertise beer, for example, they don't just simply say, well, there's a mixture of rye and hops and, and a few other things, and, and it's a good thirst quencher. No, they, th that's not really going to sell it very well. And so they have this, this picture of a fun time, of fellowship, maybe on a beach or, 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 or someone in someone's home, but there's, there's laughter, there's smiles, there's men and women together. You see, what they want to say, that with this particular product, you will find those transcendent values. You will find that love. You will find that purpose in life. It will give you meaning in life. This is what you have to buy. Car advertising. Are they saying, hey, this is a vehicle that will really get you from point A to point B very well? No. You see this, this, this good-looking dude in, in a car, and he's got this smirk on his face. In this car, I've made it in life. Women are looking at me, people, you have arrived. And all you have to do is, is pay $80,000, go $80,000 in debt or whatever, and you will have arrived. And so you're looking at these transcendental values in the things of this world, whether it is sex, whether it is money, whether it is houses, whether it is farms, whether it is in relation, in whatever, you, somehow you want to find those transcendental values. And then the conclusion of this man is that you will not find it in these entities. It's vanity. It's emptiness. Now, that does not mean that you can't have a good time at a party. He's, this is, he's not a party pooper, so to speak. He's, you can drive a good car. That's, that's not the point. But the, the, the point is... That you, that you don't come to that conclusion that you have arrived. I remember a number of years ago, I was, you know, we always kind of lived uh, four kids and, and Christian schools and, and all that. But anyway, one day I was able to get a virtually brand new van. You know, I would sit in my front door window and look at the driveway and look at that van and think to myself, you know, I've made it. Finally, I've made it. Well, I think God was teaching me a lesson because that was a van from hell. <laughs> um, the transmission broke and the engine needed to be replaced. The flywheel, I don't know what that thing does, but the flywheel wasn't, didn't work. And so it was half the time it was, it was in the garage. 
see, and, and so again, when you're looking at these particular entities, you will, you will not find it. You won't find those transcendental values. You see, we look at life as kind of a circular. Well, and it is in many ways, it is circular. There is morning and afternoon and evening and, and there are, you know, you're a child and you, um, you, you're a teenager and you get married, you have a family and you get older and you, and you die and, and that just keeps on going. There's circular values. And see, in a sense, what the, what the world says that, that, well, in that period of time, you try to, you try to have as much fun, you try to have such a, a good life, as good a life as, as you can. And I, I've been to many funerals over, over my time and listened to many, many eulogies. And quite frankly, it pains me when there are children or grandchildren, they, they talk about their parents and, yeah, they, they went on vacation or they, they enjoyed golf or they enjoyed fishing or... They, or you see, it's not only circular, it's also linear. That is, there's a beginning and there is an end. God reveals himself as the Alpha and the Omega. And so now we come then to the conclusion of the matter. And so the, the writer in Ecclesiastes has been, has been going through all, all, talking about all these things that he has tried. And then what is the conclusion of the matter? It is this. That is to fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of every human being. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. In other words, we're moving to an end. We're moving to the judgment seat of God. Fear God. What does that mean? Does this, does this create the fear of hell in you? Is this the fear that is being talked about, about here? You know, at one time, yeah, the, um, we had this kind of notion of God that God was, was ready to pounce on everything that we did that we did wrong. We, we kind of walked in that fear. Nowadays, it seems that we have a much gentler impression of God, and we don't think about that. God is our buddy. God is our pal. God is our, our friend. And, and so we just kind of go about. But we need to create a healthy fear, a fear of God. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that we, that we have a healthy respect for who God is. When I take my kids, my little kids, um, we'd go visit Niagara Falls. I mean, they're beautiful, and we want to go to Niagara Falls and see it. But I have a healthy fear of those falls, and I held on to my kids because they could easily kind of go over the fence and go in the water, and, and th 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 there's not going to be a good result if you go over, over those falls. When you have a campfire, I mean, it, it's beautiful to be able to sit around a campfire, but it's hot, hot. Be careful, it's hot. Again, you have a healthy fear of, of, of that. And so I'm sure you, parents of teenagers, you're talking about have a healthy respect, have a healthy fear for, for what opioids, what drugs can do and what alcohol can do. 
And so have a fear of these things. God wants us to have, to respect him. There's a very fascinating verse in Leviticus uh, chapter 19 where it says, do not curse the deaf and do not put a stumbling block before the blind, but fear the Lord your God. In other words, if you curse the deaf, that person's not going to hear you. You can get away with it very easily. If you put a stumbling block in front of the blind, the blind, he can't see you or she can't see you. You can get away with it. But fear the Lord your God. God can see. And so again, you look, you look at all of these activities and you have a healthy respect for God. Keep his commandments. Jesus summarizes the commandments in this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. In other words, we find in Jesus, we, f- we find in him the end. He is, he is the beginning and the end. And so when we capture, next week you're going to be hearing more about that in terms of capturing the mind of Jesus. When you capture the mind of Jesus, you're capturing the end. And so it's not just simply a matter of what I can get away with, what I can, what I can, you know, the fun that I can have. No, in the perspective of the end, I look back. And he and God will bring every deed into judgment. In other words, it's not just when we're doing, you know, kind of bad things or, or whatever. No, when I change a diaper, when I'm working on the farm, when we're, when we're going out on a date, in all of, in all of these, am I, am I reflecting the love of God? Am I, am I recognizing the end, the purpose, then looking back? And of course, of course, God is going to judge you and me for the wrongs that we have, for the wrongs that we have done. But thanks be to God that Jesus comes to our side. He stands beside us. And we want Jesus to come beside us because then God doesn't, in a sense, look at our deeds individually but he looks at them through Jesus Christ and he says well done thou good and faithful servant and so here we are at the end of another year and so you may think to yourself and often that's kind of the way I thought what's what's a good what's a New Year's Eve service good for I mean you can't cry over spilt milk it's done things are, are done but you know you can change this whole past year You can. How? By looking back and saying, Lord, I know I've blown it at times. I know that I've been selfish. I know that I've been greedy. I know that I've been looking out for number one. But Lord, I pray that you would forgive me. Accept me in Jesus. And you see, the whole year changes from that end perspective. And then lead me, lead me in the way everlasting. That, that is a beautiful, beautiful prayer to end this year 2018. And then 
with that prayer, no matter what the circumstances of, of your life, some exhilarating and some in the depths of pain, when you take it from that perspective, you may be able to say and believe that 2018 has been a very good year.